Amen and amen. Good, good morning, church. My name is Terry O'Brien. I'm one of the elders here, and uh, I'll be bringing God's word to us for us this morning. Um, thank you, Kristen. And uh, we want God to be the center of our church. And today we're going to be talking about, we're, we're doing, a, the current sermon series is called To God Be the Glory. We actually came up with that title after the sermon series started, but God's in that too. And today is, is week two, two of that. Last week we talked about the glory of God, really glory of God, the Father, and the temple lifted up on high. And today, sorry, I need to sit down. Um, today we're going to be talking about the glory of God the Son. And if you're a first-time attender with us today, uh, we're excited that you've joined us. And whether you're, this is your 500th time, we're glad you're joining us. And I hope that as we go through our service today and that you will have a chance to encounter the living Savior. Um, that is our goal. We, we like to make those introductions because we, can, we can't make anyone become a Christian. We can, make the, we can make the introductions, but that is a personal transaction between you and your Savior. And I hope today you get a glimpse of who your Savior is. Let me start with a prayer as well, and then we'll continue on. <clears throat> Isaiah 53, 5 through 6, which was written 700 years before Jesus was born and foretells of his birth, but it also foretells of his death. See, he, but he was pierced for our transgressions. He was crushed for our iniquities. Upon him was the chastisement that brought us peace. And with his wounds we are healed all like sheep have gone astray, and we have turned everyone to his own way. And the Lord laid on him the iniquity of us all. Today we're going to be focused on Jesus Christ, the second head, if you will, of the, the Trinity God. And so I want to start with a summary of what we believe about Jesus Christ and his ministry here on earth. And then we're going to walk through Philippians and then uh, finish with some selected scriptures out of Romans. Sorry, the, the teacher in me kind of likes to tell everybody where we're going. So then when we get to the end, yep, we went there. Uh, so back in the day, before cell phones were the popular thing, um, some of you may, may remember a little publication called Reader's Digest. Yes? And, um, and those were often used, or there were, there were other publications that might sit in the bathroom. So we're going to do a quick little... Reader's Digest version of the, the summary of Jesus Christ. Just to set the table, if you will. Jesus was born to a virgin, which meant it was a sinless birth. Jesus lived a sinless life, though he was tempted multiple times and directly by Satan, so as to be a perfect sacrifice for our sins. Even in his walk for th with us for 33 years, Jesus was fully God and yet fully man. And we're going to talk about that in Philippians today. During the last three years of, of his life here on earth, Jesus developed disciples to carry on the work that his heavenly father had for him. In fact, he even left us in charge, as we've talked about those last few weeks, the disciples, he gave all authority on, on heaven, all of his authority to them to continue his work here on earth, even when they doubted. 
Then Jesus freely went to the cross as a sinless sacrifice for our sins. That didn't come, out, come without, without temptation. As we read of his prayers in the Garden of Gethsemane, Jesus was literally sweating blood, but said, not my will, but yours be done. And then he was crucified on a cross, died, was taken down, put in a tomb, and yet three days later he rose again in victory over sin, over death. He was seen then for 40 days before he ascended back into heaven to be with his heavenly father. And we're going to read about that too. Jesus promised the Holy Spirit, literally the paraclete, that would come after him to help guide, convict, and comfort his disciples and those who call on the name of Jesus as Lord. Then Jesus ascended to heaven and is seated at the right hand of our Heavenly Father. And Jesus will come again for those he knows and loves. Jesus says that will be a, on a steed. I don't know if that's going to be, or charger is the other term. I don't think that's going to be a Dodge Charger. But he will come with power and authority. That only comes from God. Let's take a look at Philippians chapter 2, verses 1 through 11. If you have your Bibles, break them on out, whether they be on the phone or in paper. Or we're going to have that up behind us as well, so you can read along. So if there's any encouragement in Christ, any comfort from love, any participation in the Spirit, and any affliction and sympathy... Complete my joy by being of the same mind, having the same love and being in full accord and of one mind. Do nothing out of selfish ambition or conceit, but in humility count others more significant than yourselves. Let each of you look not only to his own interests, but also the interests of others. Have this mind among yourselves, which is yours in Christ Jesus, who though he was in the form of God, did not count equality with God a thing to be grasped, but emptied himself by taking on the form of a servant, being born in the likeness of man. And being found in human form, he humbled himself by becoming obedient to the point of death, even death on a cross. Therefore, God has highly exalted him and bestowed on him the name that is above every other name so that at the name of Jesus every knee should bow in heaven and on earth and under the earth and every tongue confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. Let's take a few minutes to unpack that because there is a richness there, that as Paul wrote to the Philippians, that we might miss in just a reading of that, a reading and a hearing that you need, that we all, all need to hear. So he starts off with the unity of the body, the unity of the body under Christ. In earlier translations, that word encouragement is actually trans translated consolation, that Christ is our consoler even within the body. And that the Holy Spirit works in concert with that 
as he is the one here with us today consoling, but that Christ and the consolation, Christ is the consolation. Now, what do I mean by that? If we use a figure of speech, and this is from uh, Spurgeon, the Holy Spirit is a physician coming alongside. But Christ, Christ is in the medicine that goes within us. He is that longed-for hope when we're sitting at a funeral mourning the loss of a loved one, praying that we will again see them in heaven one day. He is that comforter that comes alongside when um, a loved one is absent from us. He's there. We know we can trust him because we've seen him move in our lives and in our walk. Then Paul goes on to talk about the unity of the body. That complete my joy by being of the same mind. In fact, he repeats this, that we need to be of the same mind, having the same love, being in full accord and of one mind. That we're called not to do anything from selfish ambition or conceit. But just as in following after our Savior, in humility count count others more significant than ourselves. Here, if you think back to the upper room, Jesus took off his robe and wrapped a towel around himself and washed the feet of his disciples. That was normally a servant's job, but nobody thought to serve the group that way. So Jesus, being their humble leader, got down and washed the feet of his disciples, although he was about to go to the cross. But that was no surprise for him. He knew what was going to happen at that point. Look each of you not only to your own interests, but also the interests of others. In our church, one way we visibly do this is we host a food pantry where we take a portion of what has been given to the church and we turn it into food for the community and we invite the community every third Saturday of the month to come, get food, and get spiritual blessings as well. We take time to pray with everyone who comes to the, the food bank because, or to our food pantry because we recognize this food will be gone sooner than any of us would like to think. But yet we also can give them a spiritual blessing. And we do this over and over. And if you haven't yet partnered with us with that, I encourage you to come. See God work not only in your own heart, but in the hearts of those in our community who are struggling to make ends meet. And have this mind among yourselves, which is yours in Christ Jesus. We're called to have the mind together, the mind of Christ. I will tell you that when I was growing up, I wasn't, for a portion of my life, I was not a Christian. I walked away. And at that time, and I'll date myself here for a second, there was a song on the radio by an artist called Bette Midler. Some of you may know her or know of her work. You may even know the song I'm thinking of. God is watching us from a distance. And that's how I felt. I felt God was some distant being that didn't care for me, that, started, that maybe had started the world billions of years ago, but he was off. There's, there's uncountable number of galaxies and planets. He must have a lot of work to do. What would he think of me? But yet we read in the scriptures that his thoughts for me and for each of you 
outnumber the grains of sand in the sea. And I don't know if you've picked up a pail of sand lately at the beach, but I challenge you even to count the number of grains there. And the Bible declares that his thoughts for you are more numerous than all the sand in the sea. All the hairs of your head, whether they be many or few, are known. And all the thoughts of your heart he knows as well. See, he wants us to have that mind within us that would be like his so that we can be in union together. And then he emptied himself. And as I've read through the commentaries, it isn't like he emptied himself of his Godhead because he was still fully God and fully man. But what he emptied himself of was the glory of God so that he could wear, if you will, an earth suit. A body, a humble body that wasn't displaying his glory because when we look back in the Bible when Moses, who was in the presence of God, when he came down from the mountain of God, he had to veil himself because he was shining and people couldn't stand it, much like I can't stand these bright lights up here at the moment. <laughs> but they, they literally couldn't stand the light that was coming from Moses. So how much brighter would Jesus be if he were in his full glory? Well, the Bible tells us if he were in his full glory, we'd fall at his feet. It's hard to minister to people if they just keep falling at your feet. And he had a message that he wanted an intimate relationship, not just an off relationship, but he wanted people to let him come into his hearts and lives. So he humbled himself and allowed himself to be born in the likeness of man. But then he had a mission from his heavenly father. And being found in human form, he humbled himself and became obedient to the point of death. Even death on a cross. Think about that for a moment. We're going to talk about that a little bit later, but how many of you, if let's say your blood could save one person, would be willing to have all your blood pumped out for that one person, knowing that it would kill you? Would you go there? Maybe, maybe not, hard to tell. That's what he did. He shed his blood on the cross for each and every one of us so that we might have a relationship personal with him. Therefore, God highly exalted him and bestowed on him the name that is above every name. Hear me, Paul does not simply imply that this is a universal salvation. But it means that every personal being will ultimately confess Jesus' lordship. Sorry, and this is from verse 11. And every tongue will confess Jesus' lord to the glory of God. Will ultimately confess Jesus' lordship either with a joyful faith 
Amen. Hallelujah. Praise God. Praise the Lamb. Or with resentment and despair if you don't know Jesus Christ as your personal Lord and Savior. But you will confess Jesus as Lord because that is what God says. See, Jesus was with God in the beginning. We read that throughout the scriptures. And he was, is with God now and will be with God forever. In John 1, 1 through 6, we learn that in the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. And he was in the beginning with God, and all things were made through him, and without him was not anything made that was made. In him was life, and the life was the light of men, and the light shines in the darkness, and darkness has not overcome it. You can think of um, those, many of you in the room are familiar with undercover boss. Jesus is our ultimate heavenly boss. And he came down for 33 years and trained up a team that didn't really know or understand what that training was. And for 30, well, for three years of that 33 years, he trained up a team to go forth. And then he left and sent uh, his Holy Spirit so that that work would continue with each and every one of us. And even today. So what do we do with that? What do we, how, do we, how do we manage that? I'd like to share with something with you called the Romans Road to Salvation. And these are selective scriptures out of Romans put together by a number of people over a number of years and kind of different versions of that. But... Um, like to share this with you because I think it's really important that we have a chance to fully understand what it means to accept Christ our Savior. Why do we need to do it? What is our human condition? And how does God want to fix it? And there's an important term in here that we see multiple times throughout Scripture, and I actually talked on, talked on this a while back, called but God. Because you see, God makes it happen. In and of ourselves, we cannot because this is all foolishness to us in our human state. God needs to break through to change our thinking, change our mind. And God's plan for human salvation is communicated throughout the entirety of Scripture. We see it all the way back in Genesis and we see it all the way to Revelation. And these are collected verses from the book of Romans which Paul has been teaching on. Or Bill, Bill I'm sorry. And uh, for the Christian... And whether you don't yet know Christ as your Savior or whether you have been Christian since you were a wee lad or lass, um, it is good to review it because this also reinforces when we have opportunities to disciple others who don't yet know him, we can help them come make that connection, make that introduction. See, our condition starts out as we have all sinned and fall short of the glory of God. We read that in Romans 3.23 and elsewhere throughout Scripture. Sin started in the Garden of Eden with Adam and Eve and carries through to this day. And as it is written, Romans 3.10-18, none is righteous, no, not one. No one understands no one seeks God. All have turned aside and together they have become worthless. 
No one does good, not even one. Their throat is an open grave. They use their tongues to deceive. Venom of asps is under their lips. The mouth is full of curses and bitterness, and their feet are swift to shed blood. In their paths are ruin and misery, and the way of peace they have not known. There is no fear of God before their eyes. And each of us, each of us, if we look back at ourselves, whether we're Christians today or not, can recognize this in ourselves. We all have not sought after God. We all have shed blood. And there was no fear of God in our eyes when we didn't know Jesus Christ. I can speak to that personally. And in fact, God even says further, we now, know, <clears throat> we now know that whatever the law says, it speaks to those who are under the law, so that every mouth may be stopped and the whole world may be held accountable to God. For the works of the law, no human being will be justified in his sight, since the law comes the knowledge of sin. See, all of us are familiar with the Ten Commandments, and if we really be honest with ourselves, we, that's, that's, I mean, God only put one commandment in the garden, Right? And even that man couldn't keep. And then he brought us another ten. And then on the Sermon of Mount, Sermon on the Mount, God even expanded that more. You know, do not kill. Well, I tell you, if you have called your brother a fool, you have killed him. Do not commit adultery. Outward, Jesus talks about the inward man. If you have looked at someone lustfully then you might as well have committed adultery. Do not covet. How many of us have looked at a beautiful car that someone else is driving and gone, gee, I wish I had that. Or how many of us, when things aren't going our, our way, take the name of Christ in vain. Or have allowed things in our lives to become idols. See, we've all fallen short. And when we fall short, there's consequences, right? Romans 6, 23. The wages of sin is death. But, see that. But the free gift of God is eternal life in Jesus Christ our Lord. Amen and hallelujah. Romans 5, 6 through 8. For while we were yet weak at the right time, Christ died for the ungodly, you and I. For no one will scarcely die for a righteous person, though perhaps for a good person one might dare even to die. Again, that word. But God shows his love for us in that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. Move forward to Romans 10, 8 through 13. So what's our response? What's God call us to do? But what does it say? The word is near you. In your mouth and in your heart, that is the word of faith that we proclaim. Because if you confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. For with the heart one believes and is justified, and with the mouth one confesses and is saved. 
For the scripture says, everyone who believes in him will not be put to shame. There is no distinction between Greek and Jew, for the same Lord is Lord of all, bestowing his riches on all who call on him. For everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. Last year I taught a class on Ephesians, and that same passage of but God jumps out throughout that book of God intervening and God making a way for us to recognize our need for him. Our need to have a savior in our life and not just continue to spurn his love for us. And He's the one who is wooing you and I and has and will continue to to come into a personal, not a distant relationship with him. Romans 4, 25, uh, yes, Romans 4, 25 through 5, 2. He was raised for our justification. Oops, 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 sorry, that was my notes. <laughs> Who Christ Jesus was delivered up for our trespasses and raised for our justification. Therefore, since we have been justified by faith, we have a peace with God through Lord Jesus Christ. Through him we have also obtained access by faith into the grace in which we stand and we will rejoice in the hope of the glory of God. See, we cannot earn our salvation. There is not a set of scales that exist that could balance out our good works for that salvation because that scale would be broken by our own sin. That outweighs There, there is not enough good works to make that happen. We're called to do good works, yes, once we're saved, but understand that equation, those good works don't matter. In our unsaved being, we're doing that for ourselves, for our own personal gain. Oh, maybe there's some piousness to that, but those works are, are literally, Paul called them rubbish, excrement. It isn't until we're saved through the power of Jesus Christ that we can actually walk in love and, and give glory to him within those. Because in our sin state, we literally can't understand our need for God. We think we understand it, but we don't truly understand it. It's as he woos us and brings us to repentance that we can then give true Glory back to him. But wonderfully and beautifully, when we become his children, Romans 8, 1 and 2 would tell us there is now no condemnation for those in Christ Jesus. For the law of the spirit of life has set you and me free from the law of sin and death. In Romans 8, 37 through 39, hear that no, no, in all these things we are more than conquerors through him who loved us. For I am sure that neither death, nor life, nor angels, nor rulers, nor things present, nor things to come, nor powers, nor height, nor depth, nor anything else in all creation will be able to save us, sorry, separate us from the love of God and Christ Jesus our Lord. 
And I would point you to seven, 17 missionaries today trapped by a gang in Haiti. We prayed for them last week. They had just been taken captive. This Haitian gang is act, asking for $1 million ransom per person and has threatened to start killing them if they don't get that money. But neither death nor life nor gangs can separate our brothers and sisters from the love of Jesus Christ. They're not that big. God and his son are bigger. To God be the glory. Great things he has done and great things as he is doing. And we don't know what's going on there. I imagine they're praying, they're crying. But even Jesus, when he was in jail and his disciples, they led others to Christ at that time. And I pray there are members of those gangs today getting saved because they chose to take missionaries as captives. So the question for you and for each one of us is what do we do with Jesus? Sermon, I don't remember who was preached, who it preached. But Jesus is liar, lunatic, or Lord. The question is, who is he to you? Do you think this is all ancient tradition? The thoughts of man? I would ask you to be challenged by this. Is he just someone who made up a great story? Explain the empty tomb. Or is he your Lord? If he's not, he wants to be. We're going to have a time of prayer and worship, and I'd encourage you. Challenge him, ask him, test him. Get to know him. Your life will never be the same. And for you who are already Christians, how are you walking with him? How's that walk? Is he your Lord? Or is he this good friend who you've asked to be Lord, but maybe you're not walking so close with him right now? Maybe life and turmoil has kind of distracted you. Draw near to him and he will draw near to you. The band's going to come up and we're going to have a time of prayer and worship. And the altar is open. Your chairs are open. Wherever you need to go to find a place to give him glory, we want to, we want to encourage you to do that. Again, this is a personal connection. If you need someone to pray with you, I'll be up here, other members of the, other members of the body of Christ. Grab them. Say, come pray with me. Be happy to. Or you can do that transaction right there at your seat. But don't. Don't leave here today without Jesus. I would challenge you. I would encourage you. Be happy to talk with you and other members of our worship team or church staff. We want you to know Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior. He's that today and wants to be that today. I'd ask you to stand with me as we, we lead into worship. I'd like to read a passage from Revelation that talks about the glory of the Son. Then I turned, and starting in verse 12, then I turned to see a voice that was speaking to me. And on turning, I saw seven golden lampstands. In the midst of the lampstands 
one like the Son of Man, clothed with a long robe and golden sash around his chest. And the hairs of his head were white, white like wool, like snow. And his eyes were like flame of fire. His feet were like burnished bronze, refined in the furnace. And his voice was like the roar of many waters. In his right hand he held seven stars. And from his mouth came a sharp two-edged sword. His face was like the sun, shining in full strength. And when I saw him, I fell at his feet as though dead. But he laid his right hand on me, saying, Fear not. Amen. Fear not, I am the first and the last and the living one. I died, and behold, I am alive forevermore. And I have the keys to death and Hades. Father God, I pray. I pray that you would move in each of our lives to have that more intimate relationship, whether it be a first time confessing you as Lord or whether it be, God, I've, I've forgotten to give you the glory you deserve. I thank you that there is forgiveness in you daily as you refine us, as you sanctify us. In Jesus' name. Amen.